Hey, 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 welcome back to Grow Through What You Go Through. Of course, it's me, Courtney. I don't know, this week I've been doing some British accents. I'm not sure where it's actually coming from, but yeah, anywho. So last week I took a little break with the heavy stuff, but I was thinking for this lovely episode five that I would get right back into it. The topic of today that I really wanted to focus on is vulnerability. I'm going to bring out my inner Brene Brown and kind of preach to you guys how important vulnerability is, what it is, how I'm extremely vulnerable in a lot of spaces, and how I encourage my friends and family and the students around me and adults around me if I can get them to to be more vulnerable in this lifetime. Life is... I don't even know how to put into words, and I'm sure no one does, to explain what life actually is or what the meaning or the purpose of it but for me you know I think I'm kind of a little biased because I'm in the field of social work and human rights and things like that but it just even from an outside observer vulnerability is such an important topic it is such an important thing to do it is such I, I I'm sure I'll ramble on about what it what comes to mind when I when I say that word but I would like to start with defining vulnerability in multiple different ways. Um, I know that to me, personally, it is just being honest with self and others. It's, it's you know, being open, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, not caring what the outcome might be. I know that part is really hard. I think that's why people don't like to be vulnerable is because they're afraid of being judged or don't want to be known to random people. They want to be vulnerable with certain people. Um, But the Google definition or something relatable is the state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked, judged, or harmed. So that's a really intense definition. But then my girl, (laughs) Brene Brown, hers is the uncertainty and risk and emotional exposure and it's about it's not winning or losing it's having the courage to show up and be seen and have no control of the outcome I think her definition is really powerful and I think that to be honest my whole real healing because I think that I I know that back to the first episode about self-awareness I had been self-aware for a while but I think the beginning of the pandemic and really honing in on Brene Brown books and what vulnerability is and watching her special on Netflix, that's what kind of opened me and exposed me to the importance of it. And I know that all of her studying and research is in vulnerability. And from then on, I just kind of, I'm really intense about it. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, and then my, you know, I like, I like to think that life is way too short to not take risks and to be open to risk, and I think I have a hard time now that I've been three years deep into this, almost four, that I don't understand the purpose of people withholding information or being themselves. I I think I become a little bit, like, I honestly think I become mean. <laughs> if you ask some people, I think I be, I'm mean when I don't understand why somebody's not being their true self face front. Um, I just had this conversation with, you know, Maddie the other day as I referenced her before my best friend. And I just like, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I'm going to dislike you off the bat if you're not your true genuine self. Like, if I see right through you and I see that you're putting on a facade, I'm going to judge you. 
I, I, I don't mean to, but I just do. I don't think, because I just, like, I go into every single space, my work, my, you know, you know, a random party, um, family, friends, kids. I am my genuine self. I'm goofy. I'm crazy. I'm weird. I'll do a little, like, Jessica Day from New Girl Dance anywhere when I'm feeling uncomfortable or I make a certain face. I will be me in any space, so I have the hardest time. I'm like, mm, I'm not going to trust you if you're not your true self. But luckily, Maddie had pointed out that not everyone is as comfortable as I am and that I have to remember that it took me some time to be my full authentic self without thinking that people were going to judge me. So why is it fair for me to judge them in spaces that they aren't comfortable or they aren't ready to be their true self or, you know, like not give them a chance to get comfortable with me before they're their selves and that was a reality check too because not everyone is like me and I think I, that is a lot that is a lot to do with me being a Leo and then you know like that sense I've already moved past that point that I don't really imagine having a, any spaces that people aren't very similar to me anymore so like when new people I think I've like made my little groups of people where I preach things and I talk about these things and everyone's in agreement that I forget that there's going to be new people entering my life that aren't going to be there. And then I have to give it some grace, especially that I work with kids that I'm going to be exposing them to that and they're brand new to it. But I don't think my brain works that like, cause I know kids I have to teach them, but my brain like goes crazy when there's adults in my space that don't think like me. It's rude. I know. I'm I'm calling myself out. I'm open to criticism and I'm glad that people like Maddie can, you know, open reopen me back up so I'm not so closed off to people that could actually benefit from learning from me. Cuz what am I actually doing in this field if I'm not listening and learning from other standpoints and remembering that I should be teaching them or that I should be having these conversations and that I shouldn't just be in an easy zone having people that always agree with me, right? So that was importante for me to take a step back and understand that and and that not ever unfortunately nobody's gonna be like me and that's that. Anywho, so vulnerability. Let me take you back to hmm. I wanna remember the first time that I was vulnerable. And I feel that I was very vulnerable even as a kid. I was open to meeting new people and befriending new kids when they came to school and I just had a really huge heart. I just wanted to give love and acceptance and just be. But I would like to think that, you know, taking risks, like the first time when I decided to take risks with my emotions, I got hurt, you know, we all do. And I think that's where the fear stems from too. I There's just this one, and I, I, I'm sure when he listens, if he listens, that he'll know that my journey really did start at the end of high school when my first love, and I, like, I think that I first, I used to blog and I used to talk to Maddie and like my other best friends, I used to tell them like little pieces, but I think it was really hard for me and for whatever reason, I had linked, I didn't even know what this word meant, I didn't know what vulnerability was, but I think I linked it, or the sense of being open and raw, I linked it to romance. 
so my bread is my head is just going right to romance so my vulnerability that opened me up was going through the experience of loving somebody for the first time and to be honest with you guys I haven't even ever told somebody I love them and I think that that's one of the biggest regrets I've ever had because of the situations that I had put in and I wish that I had said it rather than being scared because why wasn't I my vulnerable self right so back at the end of high school <clears throat> I had this love affair or just, I just I guess I was I really really had intense feelings for this one person and you know that and I had lost my chance and then I of course I started to like that like this is has been another pattern best for a different day but I, I've had this pattern of liking somebody when it's too late and he had begun dating somebody else and I was like oh like I miss the attention or I miss like that our conversations every day and we had been close we were like friends but then I you know I would take it too far or he would take it too far and that had went on for seven years. And I, I know that the people in my, my life that have been in my life are going to cringe at me talking about this, but it's actually pretty funny. It's not funny, but it's funny because I had been so committed to somebody that had, like, and we never fully committed, but it's something like that I do reference as my longest relationship and that it was healthy in, in terms of we were young and he was incredible at communication and being honest with where we're at and that is when I had been exposed to not everything is about me and that was a hard life lesson like all I did was like oh he's hurting me you know he's choosing the other girl or oh he's moving and he's in he's in the military and and I don't even know like I just made it all about me and I used to have like the victim mentality I used to you know, blame a lot of it on him when in fact it had a lot to do with myself and the lack of growth and the, the attachment issues. And, you know, I, I, in my anxiety, like I just would go really crazy and I have, and I still just am learning how to look at something from someone else's perspective and that it isn't always about me. It, it's listening to their needs and what I'm like bulldozing. Right. So, but I do believe that I was extremely vulnerable back then because I had told him I liked him even when he was in a relationship. And like at, at this grown age, I look back and I was like, that's really messed up because I knew that he had feelings with me prior. And when you're dating somebody new, like even if a past person comes back up, it's going to stir up other emotions. And I just didn't care. I just was, I, I think like, and, and if it, this was like a different age, I wouldn't have done it the way that I did. And I wouldn't have done it when he was in a relationship. I would have waited or, but it had opened a gate for me having um, almost a dependent relationship on this guy. Like I didn't want to tell my best friends about things. I only want to vent to this person. And that unfortunately put him in really weird spaces because he never, he was so, he's so great. He's still my friend and I, I would shout him out, but. I don't even know if he will, I don't, I'm not going to expose him, but those of you that know that know, he's just a loving guy and like he had so much love to give and he's just, he's great and he didn't want to lose me as a friend. He really loved, you know, like loved me as a person, didn't want to hurt me either and he obviously he cared about his girlfriend too, so it was just a weird dynamic and unfortunately this was on and off forever and he would go back between us and I'm sure the confusion was confusing and it's, it, 
And my mom used to make fun of it because it really does sound like a plot line from a freaking Hallmark movie, unfortunately. Like, I think I contributed to that because I love rom-coms and stuff, and I made it more dramatic, and he would give into it, and we were both... It, it turned very toxic, and the dependence, and the the backup option, and just, like, it went really crazy. But we, at the beginning of it all, we were, like, 16, 17, you know? Like, it literally started in high school and went until I was about 23, and that's a that's a huge pivotal moment of growth too. And I had learned through that process, like just because I'm vulnerable doesn't mean I have to force somebody else to be or expect them to do anything with it. Like I had to I had allowed myself to be hurt numerous times, even though and I I was just like more brave, I think, at that in that time frame. I was more brave. I would go visit him in another state knowing even though sometimes I would think that it would go really wrong and I would end up coming home really upset that it was always worth it and I think it was because of the distance and because of the 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 connection that we had and the it was just a cycle and I did this like four times within that time span like I went there four times and every single time I came home I was very heartbroken but it exposed me to what life's all about like getting back up and you know, like sometimes you have to keep relearning a lesson before it sets, right? So I would do this and like I was so strong and then all like at the end of it all, like he, again, he was the more responsible and the more mature one in this equation the whole time. And I go back and I read journals and I read things and I, and he was always in the right. Like he had, like, unfortunately when you have two people that love you, you have to figure that out. And like, I get, you know, like he played into the situation. I'm sure that feels great to have two people, but it's also very, you know, tumultuous. Right. And I think that that just hurt him too, that he would always like in his equation, he would always hurt somebody and that sucked for him because he didn't want to hurt people. But at the end of that all, like he, like I was trying to say was that he took the initiative. He had to block me he had to take me off of social media. He had to take me, they had to block my phone number and he warned me. He's like, Courtney, I can't do this anymore. Like this has been a long toxic cycle. I didn't, I was not in therapy. He was not in therapy because at that time it was still a little weird to go to therapy or the stigma was still there. And just like that, it was over. And it really shut me down because I just didn't know where else to put all of my stuff and the hurt that I felt inside that I didn't quote unquote win. I didn't win him. I didn't, and like, I just missed out on every single opportunity. I was just so focused on what, like being vulnerable just to win him rather than be very vulnerable and be honest. And unfortunately he gave me space. And I know this is like a plot line of One Tree Hill, my favorite show, but Lucas goes to Peyton and he goes, he goes to propose to her when they, they do the time jump. And she's like, dude, what? Like, I can't marry you right now. We're so young. Like, I think we should keep doing what we're doing and then we'll get married later and she and and he had an ultimatum that he didn't even consult her on he's like no you're either gonna get married to me or get engaged right now with this ring or we're over and and it ended so like he didn't even like open the space and I felt the one downfall of me was that that person that boy in my life he had given me ample opportunity because I don't think he fully believed that I loved him he like I think I was showing him but I never said it and I think in his head I don't really know I think we've consulted I don't know if we went into full detail on this but I didn't like my interpretation was because I didn't say I love you 
it was like an internal ultimatum for him to, you know, push me away because I was fighting for his love and then I couldn't even say it. And that probably is hurtful too, because why would you believe somebody if they're not doing it? And again, we were 21, 22 when this happened and I didn't say it and I've never said it still because that's too far of vulnerability for me and I'm working on it. But, you know, some years later, you know, I've, I've really closed off. I don't think I was very completely open with people, especially romantically, because, again, it was more easy to be vulnerable with my friends. Sometimes I still struggle with going to friends when I need something and being open to risk and whatnot, but I, I am more, like, I struggle a little bit more romantically. And a few years later, I reached out to him, and I was very shocked that he answered. And we've had we had like a four hour conversation about where we both went wrong how toxic our cycle was um that we missed each other as people like friends like that we were very important to each other and you know we were kids and we were silly and there was a lot to unpack there and that he was finally in therapy and you know like just working through each of our downfalls and you know rekindling a friendship because at the end of the day he was an important person to me and he still very much so is and we're always going to be there for each other. I could call him right now. He might not answer the first ring because he's doing, he has a baby. So he's probably doing dad things. But he will he usually gets back to me. And, and I'm always there for him too. And that was a pivotal, you know, spot of me being vulnerable. And that opened up what I needed to do. And then from then forward, I've messed up a lot. And I've dumped on people rather than gradually be vulnerable and I've always like it's almost like I want people to fix my anxiety and like like um that I I want them to like me because I am vulnerable but that's not a good thing to do and that's not fair to anybody you know that I'm that I like I dump I trauma dump or I just like dump on them and like expect them to fall for me or whatever like that's weird like, I should be more gradual. Like, I shouldn't expose everything. And, you know, I'm coming to a place where I am more balanced. And, like, it's so cool because I'm so self-aware. And I think I've mentioned before that I have become medicated for the first time this year. And I'm able to, like, really think before I speak more so than I used to. And I, or I think before I do because I have that little, that synapse has attached. And now I think before I do anything. But... You know, like, this is such a confusing and different kind of topic, you know, like, because I I can see both sides of vulnerability, like, be more vulnerable, but in the spaces that you have grown comfortable to. So, and, you know, I'm promoting vulnerability because if you find the right people, the right people will accept you for being you and and being open and and never do anything with your information and, and be real like it helps people be real right and I'm gonna quote Wayne Gretzky Michael Scott you miss <laughs> you miss 100% of the sh- the, the sh- you miss 100% of the shots you don't take and you know like wouldn't you rather and you know like watching videos and hearing people on their deathbed like what they wish they had more of or or you know even my uncle passed away and he was you know he suffered for a while because there were so many things he never fixed and so many relationships that he burned and and karma will get you and i think that you know doing you know ending each day like as you go to bed i think this is like a buddhist way too like 
every day there's no reason to hold grudges there's you know like speak when you have to speak like speak up for yourself don't hold things in there's so much you know backstory in 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 studies that say like holding things in and not you know in truth and being you know not truthful is more harmful to yourself and others than anything and it causes stress and it's it's bad on your body it's bad on your psyche and you know like taking the risk like each day because like we we're never promised tomorrow and I think because of um, something very traumatic that I've experienced in the past like I've seen death firsthand you know now that I've seen it multiple times it's never worth not waking up and loving everybody in your life and letting them know and being open about what's bothering you because you don't know what can happen right and it just kind of puts you in a space where you can be scared like you know you know think on it be scared maybe wait a day or two but you know like if something if you are you know scared to do something just try it and if it doesn't go your way it's not going to kill you and that was something that I've recently learned like I've I you know I always like I go 110% when I do something or if I like somebody and I I give my all and people are like watch out you're gonna get hurt or how many friends have you said like mm, I wouldn't do that that's not that smart thing to do blah 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 and I, I'm always gonna do it I'm always gonna do what makes sense to me and what is right for me at the time because at the end of the day even if I get hurt whatever so be it I know how to you know get through it I have people to rely on I have a journal I have therapy and I will be okay every sick we've we've all lived every single bad day we've already had and there's going to be thousands more. And each time you get better at that. And I think that, you know, and, and you don't want any of those regrets when you're older. Like you just don't want to regret anything, right, you know, at all. And you're going to be like, oh, I should have, I should have told that person I liked them. Or I should have tried out for that job. Or I should have did that. You know, I should have tried rapping. Or I should have tried out for that TV show, yada, yada, yada. And you don't want to have should you or could have you, you should do it. No matter how scary, Right. Or even like me traveling, like I hate freaking airplanes and I'm going to Europe this summer on an eight hour thing. And you know what? I'm like going, oh, scary plane, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen, right? And I'd rather die trying than, or what is that? 50, I keep quoting people and things. Look at me, media, media based. But get rich, die trying, you know, keep trying. You know, like Or die doing what you want to do, right? Anywho, I'm just rambling at this point and I think that I love hearing like other people's stories too of when they were vulnerable like my best friends Molly and Maddie I'm gonna keep referencing them but they are so they they just show pure sense of vulnerability to me they get they do whatever they want to they definitely consult the people in their lives the ones that are closest to them and want feedback and sometimes the feedback can stir their choices but at the end of the day, they end up doing what is right for them. And they put everything on the line, you know, the, the relationships that they had in the past, the friendships, the the family stuff, like they're, you're, they're purely them in those moments. And they're very vulnerable, even if it has like literally taking, taking houses away or apartments away from some and, or it has put them in situations where they t- try a relationship and it didn't work out, but at least they tried. And I think it has led them to be, why I'm so close with them. You know, I've been friends with them since middle school for both of them. And I'm just proud of the women that they have become and that they encourage me to do what what is best for me, even if it might hurt me. And that is the message that I try to relay to, 
you know, my family and my other friends that might not be there and looking out for others and sharing feedback and being open even if the conversations are scary or confrontation is scary and just asking for conversations and to be open and and it's definitely something that I I um really try to teach kids because if you think about it none of us really learned what vulnerability or emotions or how to regulate things when we were younger unfortunately maybe like luckily my mom was kind of good with emotions a little bit like I I definitely was better off than a lot of people back in you know my elementary days I definitely my mom <sighs> attachments for a different day but like I was definitely more capable of sharing my emotions than Maddie or Molly and they're you know they're going to be my points of reference but I definitely had a better emotional ish relationship with my mom opposed to what they had with theirs no offense you know generations generation gaps yada 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 and you know like it came out in different ways than what I was lucky to let things out so as a social worker in a school it's so funny like shout out to my students because they found they found my podcast so hi guys I love you all and I hope that when you listen to this you remember the big points and the big lessons that I try to teach you guys and I hope these things will help you in your future but my my priority is like even though it can be exhausting to repeat and repeat and repeat to different groups of kiddos all day and you know like they're scared to confront each other in person or you know like I put them in an uncomfortable place because everything good comes from being uncomfortable because if we were too safe we wouldn't try anything and we would just stay where we're at and stay stuck but because I put them in situations where they have to like use emotional words or that they have to feel more comfortable with talking to somebody one-on-one rather than a text that doesn't make any sense they are exposed to what vulnerability looks like and even when sometimes I'm uncomfortable still when I have to confront my students and I, I, I hate doing it. I hate watching them cry, but a lot comes from those tears. A lot comes from those hard conversations of like, hey, what your dad did wasn't okay. And I'm going to call that out and I'm going to remind you that, yes, you grew up with it and you thought it was normal, but that's not okay. And you let me know the next time that happens. Or, you know, when friend groups have moments when they're picking on one person, I'm like, hey, that's not okay. Like just because they're being a jerk doesn't make it okay for you to be a jerk. Or, hey, I'm going to call you out on this because it's bothering a lot of your friends and I don't think that they feel comfortable telling you yet. And I just said that yesterday. Like, my poor little, one of my sixth graders was crying yesterday because I called out things that her friends were too afraid to tell her. And it's heartbreaking sometimes, but at the end of the day, they're going to be better off as adults if that's called out now. And each generation will get younger and younger learning how to be vulnerable and regulate those emotions and be sad sometimes or be angry and have a safe space to go to, even if it's their room or at their to their parents or at school. Like They wait to come to me or email, and we work through a lot of things. And I also had, you know, like as hard as my job is and how much I always like point that out, like... I genuinely think I'm always going to be ahead of the game when it comes to relating to kiddos and being on their level and allowing them, <laughs> allowing them to be that their true selves while they allow me to be my true self and still respect me because I'm in charge of that space or you know I'm their guardian and when they're in the, my room or they're under my supervision. But I had the best moment the other day with one of my students and I... I typically 
tend to be, I, and I'm, I'm owning this. Like I tend to be harsher with boys, especially white boy, like little white kids and little white boys, because obviously, you know, they're born into this world that's full of privilege, privilege for them. So I feel like I'm a little harsher when I'm trying to teach them life lessons to be open and kind to others. So like when they start harping, when they stop, when they start harping on my girl students or I think I call my boys out more than the girls and I, it has been brought to my attention by one of my students and he was very mad because he's like, why do you always see, (laughs) and he went off, like he lectured me for 10 minutes and you know what, I was very proud of him because he felt comfortable enough to to call me out as the adult like he felt safe that I wasn't going to yell at him or ridicule him for yelling at me and he was just talking in a like a louder tempo like he wasn't really like it was kind of funny because like you listen here Missy and I was cracking up because I am so proud to see my work being brought back onto me when I mess up and like at first I was like no like in my head I was like I'm not gonna let him do this but I did and he's like I'm gonna lecture you now because I'm tired and I'm sick and tired of you doing your you know like you never you never yell at the girls I do but you know like from his perspective you never yell at the girls when they start something or you don't hear them and then me and my friend get yelled at more and it's not fair because it takes me a while before I start saying that I warn them that I'm gonna freak out and they keep going and he goes on and on and on he's like and it, it pisses me off that I don't understand like we you never call us out when we do something good and he made such a great point and like unfortunately like I wasn't gonna I'm not gonna argue <laughs> with a 10 11 year old or I'm not gonna argue with kids but you know because he had some rights in that that conversation and he and I'm I, I let him have it like I let him say hey or I let I said to him I was like you're right you're right I am really hard I, I am a lot harder on you boys because and I've spoken about privilege and I've had bigger conversations with them because they're the kiddos that can grasp it a little bit more and I said like privilege is there and like but it doesn't make like privilege is there but it doesn't make it okay for the girls to call them jerks or a-holes or anything like that first like and I, I knew what he meant like it's not fair I don't think anyone should be speaking like that to each other and very rarely I hear the girls like it's either I too I'm tuning the girls out because you know like I support women's rights and wrongs as my girl, one of my TikTokers says, but I can't do that. That's the unfair treatment and that's going to make them more angry in the future too. So like, I have to like, I have to catch myself more and like call them out just as much as I call the boys. And that's fair because I try to preach equity and equality. And if I'm not doing it myself, then what is that going to look like? I'm going to look like a hypocrite. But Anyways, you know, the tangents I'm going on, but the vulnerability that he felt in that space and he felt so safe and that he can said, sit down, Missy, and start lecturing me. And it's so funny. And I will always remember that conversation and, you know, that he gave me feedback that I got to call out the good things that these kiddos do. And he inspired me to give out raffle tickets about the good. Cause like, I think that as a society, we really... And I know I'm, I, I fall I fall victim to this too. Like I think as a society we expect kids to always be good and to know what is good and to do good, so we don't reward them as much as we should. And that because it's like an expect it's like an undertoned expectation, but that's not fair. And I think to call them out because they're gonna want to do more good if you're making them a big deal like. How many kids come to me and tell me about their grades and you're like, oh, like, yeah. And, you know, like if as a parent, you're like, yeah, you're supposed to get good grades. 
but praise them because what is the point? What are they actually working for if they're not feeling good or making someone proud? And I love that. Like I, and I love all of my kids when they run to me and tell me that they did something good and it makes my heart so happy. And I should point out that how many times that kid has bought in his friend lunch if he didn't have food or how many times that kid has stood up for a girl that was getting insulted by one of his peers or that he apologized and he called out his friend for being rude to a teacher when he shouldn't have. And I should really be more vocal instead of just telling my friends about these kids, like, you know, that there's hope in these kids, but to tell them, like, I, and I'm so happy. As much as the lecture went on, this kiddo lectured me for 10 minutes and it was hilarious and I, he had so many good points. He got a little aggressive, but that's okay. You know, they're 11. They can they can have aggression in them and be angry. And he was just saying feelings words. And I was like, wow, I've really done my job well. That he was like, I'm pissed or I'm mad right now or that's not fair. Like he was so passionate in his words and he had he had the space he had the capacity to say which feelings he was feeling in that moment and and that he wanted to confront an adult because like how many times do you think he does that to his parents probably not often or that they don't feel safe enough to say something or that they feel bad when they finally get back at their parents or like because their parents are elders or teachers are elders but when they're right they're right and it leaves such a space to have those conversations and to switch our actions to as adults I think we learn from kids just as much as they learn from us and like I know, and like I sometimes fall fall to I have faults with like I'm trying to people please everyone in my area, but I try to remind myself that I'm there for the kids, and I'm not gonna argue with adults that think differently than them. Like, do you ever wonder that you're part of the problem of why kids are giving you attitude, or that like you never talk back to me? Um, but, but miss, you're also talking back to them. You're hurting them. You're making them feel shameful and small. What makes you any better than them? I don't think we have. We shouldn't have generations of elders anymore or be nice to your elders. I think we should be kind to all. Respect meets respect. I don't think that kids should be disrespecting anybody. But I also don't think adults should be. So they're learning that from you. They're modeling your behavior. They're talking back to you because you're being rude to them. You know, like, let them go to the bathroom. Like, they're not going to walk all over us. Like, you know how many times in my office, these kids, like they run amok, like they, but if I call them out, like they respect me enough to pick up my room when I say to, or to quiet down when I say to, or, you know, when it's chaotic and I have to bring it down a lot notch, they listen and I don't have to raise my voice ever. I think I've done it twice this year and it's for different circumstances, but we all feel very safe in my room and in but sometimes I feel unsafe because there's other adults that come into my room and tell me to be quiet and, and yell at me for having kids outside my door or and just like simple things that is because they're mad not because the school is mad if that makes sense but that's for a different time I'm sure I'll have my current coworkers and my old coworkers in a school like the school system is hard to be in to begin with because you're never going to make anyone happy there's always going to be a group just like I said at the beginning with my romantic past, like there's always going to be somebody that is going to get hurt and you have to grow awareness and acceptance of that. But I'm vulnerable enough to know to not feel shame on myself if I, if I upset an adult because I'm not there for you. We work together. We, met, we, we tolerate each other. But my focus is these, these kids and if they want to come to my room and feel safe, I'm going to let them. They're not going to remember you know, they're not going to remember all the things that you're teaching them. And again, your jobs are just as, as important as mine are. But it's the connections you make and it's not about the content. 
And I think when you're like, oh, he's missing this, like, okay, he'll be fine. We'll do it together. I'll stay after. And you know what I mean? Like, just chill out. (laughs) And I wish that there was more vulnerability with adults too. I wish they would come confront me and talk to me and not yell at me or ridicule me, but have a conversation with me and ask me why I do what I do. Or why do you think that I'm just letting these kids walk all over me or walk all over my space? Like, why does it bother you? Like, I wish we can have these conversations more than the the whispering to the side to their friends or, you know, like, that's not vulnerable. That's just being rude. That's being purposely hurtful. That's shaming people. That's making people feel bad. And that's not okay. And I think that if we had more vulnerable conversations, like, hey, Courtney, I don't like that you do this, but I'm going to understand it from afar. Like, I'm going to agree to disagree with you. I think kids should have punishment. I think kids should look up to their elders. I'm going to have to disagree with you, but I'll let you do what you do in your space and I'll do what I do in my space instead of like climbing in to my space and telling me how to do it because it's because it's different than you that's not okay but the conversations would be nice if we could have them and I can't wait to have you know like the uh you know conversations at beginning of next school year that will go different that will have more acceptance of what I do and understanding of what I do and being more vulnerable and having more vulnerable conversations I feel so safe like as the adult in the school building I feel so safe I go to all of my admin and I'm able to have these conversations and not even have to explain. They just understand me. And I think that that's what makes my working environment right now so great. Because there's such, I feel so, I feel comfortable going to my higher ups and feeling like we're both professionals and that we can talk through. And, and, and even their, some of their bosses too, I feel safe talking to them. You know, like that's vulnerability. Like, hey, like, am I doing this right? Is this okay? Yada, yada, yada. But, oh, look at me, tangenting, tangent, tangent, tangent. But the whole purpose of this conversation is to help you guys know that it's okay to be open and honest and, you know, explain when you're sad or, like, expose yourself when you're sad or mad or, like, ask yourself, why am I so afraid right now to say what's on my mind? Do I have to fact check myself? Do I have to, like, am I scared because that person's going to judge me? And kind of clear those fears and, and be open to these conversations or be open to to want to be vulnerable in all the spaces of your life, including with yourself. Like once you start talking to yourself and once you start acknowledging things that you want to work on, that's that's great. You know, like that's something that will help you, you know, grow too. And, you know, like if anyone ever wants to have conversations with me about any of the topics that I've brought up, please reach out to me and we can be vulnerable there too. And I I actually like, you know what, like I wish if you guys want to go back in this episode and take a shot every time I say, say vulnerability or vulnerable, let me know. Let me know how drunk you are and how many times I've said it. That would be iconic to find out and I could share at the beginning of next, the next one. But I hope that I've said it enough to to imprint it in your brain and make you want to look inward more and, you know, feel, feel like you're in that, you know, and go listen to Brene Brown and read all her books. She's phenomenal. She is funny and she makes these topics so relatable and so easy to understand. She probably even does a better than a job than I do. And she references a lot of shows too. And she's just great and funny. And she's one of the top LMSWs, just like I am. (laughs) And she's great. So 
anyways, enough of me rambling on. And I hope that this was a fun episode to learn. All. I, I can't like, first of all, I can't believe that I'm sharing like very personal stories to whoever's listening. But luckily, I'm not looking at how many of you are listening. So I don't care how many of you want to laugh at me because it's fair. It's, I want you guys to feel like you can relate and see from what I've, I've been through. So anyways, that concludes our episode about vulnerability, episode five. I, I think I'm going to decide to do 10 episodes per season of Grow Through What You Go Through. So shout out to our halfway mark, and I hope that you guys have a fantastic day, and we'll talk next time. Bye.